Hey guys, before we get started today, wanted to remind you to check out another podcast, ESPN's Debatable. I've been telling you about it for weeks now. It's also a digital exclusive series. You can find it on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on Fridays with Dominic Foxworth and Pablo Torre. We check it out every day uh, and you can get it wherever you get your pods. Welcome back to the Meaning Hive Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks flea flickers should also illuminate ticks. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am joined today by a first-time guest. This is always exciting, someone taking their maiden voyage with Lenny. His name is Derek Klassen. He writes for Football Outsider and Bleacher Report. You can check him out on Twitter at QB Class. Derek, welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm happy to be on. I mean, uh, I think enough of my my friends at this point have been on that I, I, I'm very glad to finally be here and, and start to round out the, the friend group. The friend group, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, but, but Charles McDonald, Stephen Ruiz, Nate Tice. Nate Tice, exactly. There's probably one or two I'm, I'm, we're still forgetting, but... The voices you guys know and love. I, I'm assuming you love. I hope you love. But uh, you're definitely going to like Derek because... Uh, you know, Derek, I've wanted to have you on for a while. Just your work on Football Outsiders is tremendous. Also, just hence QB class, talking about QBs. We're, we're obviously going to talk about uh, the playoffs and the upcoming divisional round matchups, but I have I, I need to have you back on to talk about this QB class. QB class is your Twitter handle. Uh, <laughs> upcoming, as, as soon as I get caught up on them. But this, it's funny. Speaking of QBs, I saw someone posted camera who was i wish i could give credit that like almost all of them are on veteran contracts because you remember that the oh it was andrew brand shared that because i feel like for a while we kept having we meaning the football media this uh conversation about oh can you even make it to the playoffs if you play an old veteran quarterback and minus tom brady but he's not even taking you know a full salary which is not really true but it, it's interesting to kind of sit back and look at all these names. You got Joe Burrow, who's still on his rookie deal, obviously. Uh, but outside of that, pretty old. Oh, Josh, I mean, Allen. Would, oh, Josh Allen's on a big deal now. So, sorry. I was about to say, I thought Josh Allen just got paid. And, like, the yeah. only other possibility is, like, if uh, if Jimmy can't play for whatever reason, then Lance has to play. And that's, like, obviously, that's not even really where the 49ers wanted to be this year. Even if that, that might be where, you know, all of us kind of want them to be is to, mm. to get the Lance show. But, um, yeah, I think it's kind of a funny point that, you know, this was we were supposed to be kind of moving into a, a changing of the guards with a lot of the youth youth movement. And I think we are in a lot of ways. There's still a lot of good, young, talented quarterbacks. But it's kind of funny that there's really only one left standing um, this late into the year. Well, let's start with him uh, and let's start with Bengals Titans. So go let's go chronologically. Um, it. I, Okay, for, well, before we get into this, the wildcard round sucked. Let's just, although it's, I saw everyone complaining about, ah, the seven seeds, but they were complaining during Monday Night Football, which was not, it was a four and five. I, you know, I don't really know why it was so bad. I'm sure there's some metrics out there about the the point disparity and it being, you know, unusually bad. But I feel like the wildcard round is never, almost never, usually there's like one awesome game. And I think that was sort of what was lacking because, the Bengals did play a close game with the Raiders, but it wasn't like a great game, <laughs> nevertheless. And then the Cowboys Niners, it felt kind of like a who's going to shoot themselves in the foot the least. There wasn't like that awesome 
close game between two great teams. It does feel like we should get that in this round, at least given some of these matchups. Which they're all, I don't have the Vegas lines in front of me, but they're all close. I personally struggled picking all of them, Derek. I don't know if, how you feel about that, but I don't think any of these are obvious. No, I mean, I don't know if we want to start with, with Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, Tennessee as like trying to pick. But in terms of like picking any of them, yeah, I feel like most of them are kind of coin flippy to me. I don't even know which of them I feel the best about. Like, is there one that you even feel the best about? Because I feel like all of them to me are like no. 55% chance at, at best. Absolutely not. Okay, so I, I have the lines in front of me and... Oh, okay, so Green Bay is the biggest. Right now, it's at But that might six. be like injury stuff too, right? Yeah. Like, like potentially with Jimmy. Bosa, Jimmy is maybe not like fully there. There's a lot up in the air there. And then you've got, we're going to talk about all the Niners, the Packers, pardon me, coming back from injury, but like we don't actually know what they look like necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Bucks are favored by three, so it's a pick him at home. Kansas City is one and a half at home. Uh, and then but we'll start here. The Titans are three and a half at home. And I went back and forth on this one a few times. Um, I guess like I, let's start with the Bengals offense versus the Titans defense, because uh, in some ways I feel like this is kind of similar to the Raiders game in which the whole thing feels predicated on whether the Titans pass rush can get home. Um, but, you know, I, I actually after kind of going back and watching the last couple weeks of Titans defense, I think the secondary is better than I gave it credit for outside of obviously the safeties who are very good. Um, you know, Christian Fulton's playing well. I, I think it might not matter against this skill group, but it's, it's, it's obviously a very different defense from Las Vegas in terms of, you know, they're, they're, they play more uh, split safety and also the pass rush is very, very different from Las Vegas where they're so dependent on the edge rushers, especially after losing Darius Phylon, whereas um, the Titans have what can be at times a dominant four-man rush. I think the the structural differences between the Raiders defense and what the Titans defense, like you mentioned, is kind of the biggest point here because I feel like to me, when you went back and watched the Bengals against the Raiders, a lot of what they were doing like was specifically to target that like um you know loaded box uh cover three style of defense that they love to play so much it was a lot of like pretty much all their success on the ground was pitching it outside and like pinning the defensive end and forcing their not very good linebackers um not very fast linebackers to get to the edge um that was really the only success the Bengals had on the ground and then through the passing game they were doing a lot to like manipulate the hook defenders because they knew all their rules for like taking you know the three back and stuff like that so I thought the Bengals did a really good job of that none of that is to say that like they cannot find particular rules um or matchups to exploit in the Tennessee secondary but I, that that Raiders game felt very much like not their players winning out necessarily but more just like they they very much understood what they needed mm. to do against that defense. And then Burrow kind of making a couple pretty exceptional plays both in and out of the pocket. I mean, just the way that he can, I think I tweeted something like this uh, the other day, but like his efficiency of movement, both of like in terms of literally moving and getting in and out of the pocket and in terms of being able to like snap his torso to any throw at any time is it, pretty remarkable. And I think that's why he's able to do a lot of what he does with like pretty whatever tools as a passer. Yeah, and that's obviously the challenge for this front, right, is 
Um, even if you do win up front, Burrow, like you said, his, his escapability, the pocket move, it, it's so outstanding that he's still able to make these plays when, you know, he holds the ball for more than two and a half, three seconds. Um, and then you're in a, a, a challenging situation because of all the weapons that the Bengals have a wide receiver and your ability to hold up in coverage. I, I'll be curious to see how they approach the Jamar chase of it all. Um, I, you know, again, given that the, the Titans strengths and this, their style of defense, I imagine they'll probably give him some help. So this is kind of like a, Ken T. Higgins go off sort of game, right? Um, but I, I and he really didn't against the Raiders. No, that's kind of what's that, concerning. Yeah. He did not play very well at all. So that's exactly what I was thinking. Like I, I, if if they're able to bracket Jamar Chase and limit him somewhat, I I do question. Like, okay, can you get that Higgins or Boyd game? I thought CJ Zama was very good in the in the last game, and um, you know, again, this this Titans front, they are better. I, I I know I'm, I'm guessing like the Va- the Raiders are better in pass rush win rate or whatever. Uh, um, and, and you know, Yannick Ngakwe had a rough one. I thought um, you know against Jonah Williams, but the Titans front their their pieces their their players are so much more versatile. It's like they they've got those chess pieces up front, right? Like where they can move Danico Autry around. Um, and, and something I noticed. You know, as the year has gone on and Harold Landry has been playing more on the left side, so you're probably going to see him matched up with the Bengals' backup right tackle, Isaiah Prince. They'll have both him and Autry outside the tackle, right? And they're they're able to create so many matchup issues for this offensive line. I, I think it's just going to be a much more challenging a, a situation for Cincinnati than the Vegas one. I think that's a great point. Like, just the versatility, just the different ways and, like, you know, avenues that they can win from. Um, Where it's like, yeah, the Raiders are kind of just, they're going to put the ball out there and they're just going to rush forward and they're going to hope that they can pin their ears back and, and mm-hmm. get to you. Max Crosby can. He, he's very good at that. Um, and even though Yannick Ngakwe didn't have the best game doing that, that's generally what he's able to do. But like, kind of like you mentioned, like this Titans front can just, they can get you from the interior. They can get you from the outside of the guy like Landry. And then I think they do a really good job of, you know, bringing pressures when they, when they want to. I think a lot better than the Raiders. And the Raiders just don't really do it. So it's hard to, to put that against anybody, mm-hmm. you know, to compare them in any way. But I think just the idea of being able to do more things is always good in football. And I think yeah. particularly against a Bengals line that has like one and a half good players, I, I think they're going to have an, a, a lot of issues trying to pick a lot of this stuff up. And even if Burrow's really good at seeing blitzes and stuff, it like eventually it the the you're going to crack and you're just not going to be able to find an answer. Yeah, I- Autry is the one where going back and watching, I was just like, oh my God, right? Like the, he's uh, such a loss for Indianapolis, by the way, towards the end. I think it really was glaring. And then just watching this Titans defense, like, you know, the way they use him, like you said, as a chess piece, it's, it, it creates a lot of issues. That's all. Um, on the other side of the ball. So this is sort of where the injuries kind of factor in and a little, there's a little bit of uncertainty, right? Because so the the Bengals defense did lose um, both Mike Daniels and then Larry Ogunjobi placed on injured reserve. Josh Tupu, I, Tupau, I hope I'm saying it right, is also hurt. So um, the interior of the defensive line is a problem. I think Hendrickson, well, we'll find out if he plays. He's in concussion protocol, and that's obviously massive, dude, because when he went off the field, who, buddy? Actually, I think I have the splits. Uh, yeah, so when he was on the field, they pressured him, Derek Carr, on 10 of 23 dropbacks. 
when he was off three of 33. Um, so that's massive for them. But just going to what we do know, which is defensive tackle, you know, they got BJ Hill probably playing next to DJ Reader. This is not the team you want to lose your starting defensive tackles against. No, I mean, like, especially if it's hard to know what Henry is supposed to look like. Um, but I think even if he looks like not 100% and he's still just kind of close to what he's supposed to be, yeah, you're going to have issues dealing with their downhill run game. I mean, I think like Roger Saffold at this point in his career is not the best guard anymore. He's not like particularly elite, but I think he's kind of in that second tier where if you can run behind him, I think they're going to have a really good day. And if, yeah, you if Cincinnati's going to end up in this position where they only really have their two defensive tackles and they have zero depth. Um, I think they're just going to get run at kind of a lot. And even like the Raiders were, were kind of doing that a little bit um, with their pretty bad offensive line. Yeah. Um, so I think with a much better Tennessee offensive line, that's definitely be, definitely going to be a problem for them. And then Hendrickson, that's, I think the big deal, like Tannehill is such a quarterback who is very, um, you know, with Daniel Jones, I like to say he has object permanence in the pocket where he just like, doesn't, <laughs> if he can't see the pass rusher, it just doesn't exist to him. Um, and I think that's particularly an issue when you're trying to deal with edge rushers. You know, if you just don't ever believe that they're there, you're going to get sacked from them a lot. And so I think because Tannehill is so um, he's very willing to stand in the pocket and take hits, to, you know, yes. to make a lot of those play action throws that they have. I think when you don't have a guy like Trey Henderson pressuring off the edge anymore, potentially, that's going to be a really big issue because a lot of their other edge guys are like decent um particularly as run defenders like sam hubbard um mm-hmm. and even khalid kareem are like decent run defenders but like they're not going to get anywhere close to the kind of pressure um that hendrix was getting just like with you know what was it three out of 33 yeah that they were it, able to get when, it was bad uh in I, the I raiders game yeah like he'll probably play good. but you know we'll see um it's massive but as far as the titans passing attack so you know aj brown julio jones derrick henry i, I think there's been not played a lot of games or snaps rather together. Um, Julio, basically a non-factor most of the season had a decent game at the end. Uh, I think his first touchdown. Yeah, definitely his first touchdown of the year as a Julio Jones fantasy owner in one of my leagues. I'm keenly aware of that. Um, How do you feel like assuming Hendrickson plays, how do you feel about the Titans ability to stop or pardon me, the Bengals ability to stop that, titans passing attack um which we we kind of know what tennessee wants to do on those you know especially with aj brown jesse bates had arguably his best game of the season in the wild card round do you think their corners can hold up against you know brown jones and then westbrook akine uh westbrook akine yeah (laughs) um i I just don't know that he's he's very good at this point but I think the problem that the the Bengals secondary is going to have is just like guys like Jones and Brown, they're just a lot tougher to deal with physically. And I think the way that the the Bengals corners kind of work to me is they're better when they can kind of function on the outside and not really have to to drive inside and, and deal with guys trying to break over the middle of the field. And I think that's obviously going to be a problem against the Titans when that's pretty much all that they want to do. Um, and I think it's even going to make game, the, the game a little bit tough for Jesse Bates in the sense that like, I feel like Bates, um, especially in this last game, was a lot better when he was able to just match up on guys and kind of carry them across the field. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the times, that's either going to be your tight ends or your slot receivers. And like, if we're just assuming that they're going to run a lot of these glance routes from the outside with like AJ Brown and stuff, I think it's a little bit tougher to, to get Bates involved in that way. So 
Um, I think if you combine all that with the fact that I just don't think the Bengals linebackers are very good, I think they, they have pretty questionable eyes. Um, I think it could be one of those games where Tannehill just trusts that the middle of the field window is going to be there consistently and just keeps rifling it in. So funny that you say that about the linebackers in their eyes. Bengals defense, 10th in EPA per pl- pass play, but falls to 21st versus play action. They allow 8.5 yards per play, which is 28th in the NFL to opposing offenses that use play action. No mystery what the Titans are going to do in this one. Um, I think like, like just again, I hate to put this all on Hendrickson. It's amazing, by the way, how great Hendrickson has been for them. I've always liked him as a player. I've talked about this a lot. I was not sure, you know, whether he would live up to his billing as the free agent signing and being like their marquee pass rusher playing without that, the rest of the Bengals or probably the Saints defensive line. And he has been fantastic for them. Uh, it really does feel like this hinges on his availability. I, I, I you know, I, I, I don't know if that's overly dramatic of me, but uh, he is that important to their defense, especially given, as you said, the the mismatches that the Titans can create at wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I, I think generally with like just any defense or offense you have to have a lot of guys who are you know i think uh the athletic shows kind of talks us about about this a lot where you have to have like the connective tissue you have to have guys who are like they can just do their job blah 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 all that and i think the Bengals have a lot of those guys um you know guys like von bell um mike hilton has has been pretty good um shadobi wuzier when he's been able to play has been really good they have a lot of guys like that but you also need stars and hendrickson is really the closest thing that they have to that he's really the only guy that they have to that um, so I think, yeah, to your point, if he's either out or, you know, maybe only 85% coming off of this, uh, this concussion protocol, yeah. I think they're going to have a lot of issues getting any sort of negative plays, um, against the Titans, which I think is pretty huge against them. Um, I think you really need to set them behind the sticks so they can't really get into there, you know, run the ball play action, that sort of deal. I think you need to find ways to get into the backfield on them. And if they're not going to have Hendrickson, that is going to be very, very difficult. So to just kind of wrap it up, I feel like both of these offenses should be better than both of these defenses. Ultimately, I find myself leaning Tennessee because of the injuries on the Bengals defensive line. Um, And then, you know, the Tennessee getting the bye in this one. I I still think it'll be close, but how do you feel? I probably agree. I I mean, I think, yeah, it's kind of just a situation where um, it feels like because of some of the injuries, it feels like the Titans want to be in this situation where they can control the game um, with the clock, you know, running the ball, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it kind of feels like the perfect, um, perfect storm of, of circumstances for them to be able to do that in this one. I do. I do definitely think it'll be close and Burrow is, is going to make this very hard for the yeah. Titans defense. But um, yeah, I think ultimately probably slightly on the Titans. Well, and Burrow's been like on such a like Folesian. I mean, he's not Nick Foles, but I just mean like absolute heater right like uh just the string of performances from the second to last week of the ravens game through now it it, it's kind of one of those streaks where you and i don't think it's i I think this is who he is i think he has this ability it's not like a aberration at all but it's scary to pick against him right now and i'm not sure i like i said i don't know if the titans can stop uh jamar chase at all but you know The thing about heaters is, you know, he he has not been he has been incredibly aggressive attacking the ball downfield, but he hasn't turned it over. And there haven't been those negative plays that you saw through much of the season. 
it feels like at some point that might turn. It's not a luck thing. It's just a, hey, you know, are we looking at this guy's bo- this offense's body of work as a whole? I don't know. We'll see. All right. I, I That one I can't wait for. I'm also really excited for Niners Packers. I, I know it has the biggest line, but just going back, Derek, to the week five, which is just, by the way, this is such a, what makes this pl- this round so fantastic is all these rematches and going back and kind of watching and seeing how different these teams were. Um Back in week three, when these teams, when they played the Niners, I mean, the, the Packers are getting all these guys back and we can talk about that in a second because that makes them totally different and, and unpredictable. And they're not just guys, they're getting stars back in their lineup. But just based on what, you know, both these teams put on the field back then, the Niners look so different. I mean, let's just start on offense. I was tweeting about this earlier. This was before they Kyle Shanahan decided or realized or I don't I don't know what that Debo Samuel was an absolute unicorn um he got two carries in this game one was just a end around and then the other you know there was kind of no rhythm to it at that point um totally different and obviously incredibly relevant against a Packers defense that yes is getting back pretty much everyone <laughs> it seems like Darius Smith Whitney Merciless and Jerry Alexander but Boy, that looked terrible against the run in the back half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I want to start with like the the Debo thing. I, I think the way that they get there is like it, it almost feels like it was by accident because I think for years the Shanahan offense has kind of lacked being able to throw outside the numbers yeah. um, just because of the, the way that Jimmy functions. I don't think he's very good or comfortable throwing outside the numbers. If he has like a concept where that's an option to him, he's going to pretty much pass it up and either throw over the middle or, or check down every time. So obviously in the Shanahan offense, they had to find some way to hit outside. And for a lot of the time, that was their outside zone game. Well, when they had all the injuries to their running backs, it was like, well, now we don't have a guy who can do that. Yeah. We got to figure out something else. So they kind of like stumbled into Debo being their only way to attack the perimeter. And now at this point, even though they have a couple of running backs back who can who can still do a lot of the outside zone stuff now, I think they've realized that what they can do with him personnel-wise is really annoying. And I think the most interesting thing to me is they have this uh, personnel package where they go into 11 where Debo is one or yeah, where Debo is one of the wide receivers, obviously. And then the only running back is Kyle Juszczyk. And they can either put Debo Samuel in the backfield and make him basically a running back and do any of their, um, you know, outside zone power, whatever it is they want to do with their normal run game. Or they can do what they do on a lot of passing downs where they'll put Debo back out at wide receiver, slide use check into like a regular running back alignment and just have him be the best pass blocker. It's Mm. kind of really annoying what they can do with that personnel package. And I'm really curious to see if Green Bay has the bodies to be able to match up and deal with that. Well, what do you make of the Green Bay defensive I don't want to call it a collapse, but I really feel like it kind of flew under the radar the second half of the season because, um, you know, they're still winning, you know, some of that was opponents and Rodgers and and making big plays like timely interceptions, Russell Douglas. But um, really, you know, over the last two months of the season, the defense fell off in a big way, despite Devondre Campbell playing at a high level. Now, they get back. So just kind of talking about those players, I mean, it does. So Jair, if Jair Alexander's back, uh, I guess Russell Douglas will probably move inside a bit. Um, and then Zadarius Smith and Whitney Merciless, it's just kind of, they have a lot of bodies to throw at it. And by the way, Zadarius Smith, obviously very helpful in setting the edge 
against the run. But this is the most potent and confusing rushing attack in the NFL right now. Do you have faith in Joe Barry's defense to find a way to stop it, given what we saw that they put on tape in the back at the, you know, at the end of the season? Honestly, not really. I think a lot of it is just going to come down to like how well can the secondary um, pin down some of uh, the, the 49ers wide receivers and, and probably get a couple off of Jimmy Garoppolo, that sort of thing. But I think in terms of the run game, they're probably screwed. Um, I think Kenny Clark has been playing well for a lot of the year. Um, Devondra Campbell is all honestly really good. But like, I just don't really love the structure that they have where they play with one linebacker a lot of the time. I think mm-hmm. just being that weak in the interior is just not something that I like. And I think the reason that the Rams um, have gotten away with it now, and especially last year is just because the dudes that they had up front are just different. I mean, obviously Aaron Donald is the one, but like every other guy that they've had up there, um, Greg Gaines, Sebastian Joseph day last year, when it was like Michael Brockers, like they had dudes that were like changing the space. Yeah. Green Bay doesn't really have that. Like, I think not that they are like horrible up front, but they just don't have the same the same beef to like, you know, manufacture and and manipulate the space that way. And I think that just puts a lot of stress on the one linebacker that you're putting in there and then just whatever, you know, safety or whoever you're bringing down. I think it just puts too much stress on them. And like you said, with a a, a Shanahan, you know, when when he pulls out the microscope, like I think it's just going to be really, really hard for Green Bay to deal with. Yeah. So, um. You know, Derek mentioned the Rams. You guys have probably—I I know we've talked about it in this podcast. Joe Barry coming from that Rams light box defensive tree Staley that we've talked about a lot, and yeah, I, I, you make such a great point too about the Rams um, defensive front. You know, it, it's more than just Donald that enables them to do that. And you know, when you look at the Packers, Kenny Clark is incredible, incredible against the run. But um, they're a little bit lacking outside of him up front, and it makes things difficult, uh, like you said, for when, especially when they go with that one linebacker. I, I tend to agree, but you know, I, I do want to see how all these guys look coming back from injury because if they're able to get Garoppolo into any <laughs> obvious passing downs, I do think that's where they can tee off and make things really challenging for him and. Um, I do think that's where suddenly, you know, the return of all the players I mentioned makes a massive difference. And also, we should mention Jimmy Garoppolo at some point is going to give the game away, uh, even if they're ahead, you know, and the game script is favorable. I, I just, man. It still feels like he's going to. He's going to do it. Right? He's going to do like, it. I don't he care. He hasn't the past couple weeks, but he's going to. He did. Some... I mean, he did. We he know tried. who he is. He tried. Oh, yeah. Okay. He did try. And it wasn't just the... Uh, interception you know i mean just missing wide open brandon Ayuk or whatever you know the, there's always a couple plays where he, you can just see him he has the opportunity to put the game away and he just he misses now that said uh he mentioned and this is where we get to the lance of the the, the lance factor he so grappolo i guess i didn't realize this in the game got pretty hurt in the second quarter and i don't think he attributed him sailing that throw that was intercepted to that but um, he did mention he was really battling it. I think he's still going to play Derek, but that's something to keep an eye on if it affects his accuracy, uh, you know, because he has to be pinpoint uh, and we'll see. I don't know. I, um, Aaron <laughs> will be pinpoint. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, we all know 
what the San Francisco defensive line is capable of, this, the four-man rush is capable of this point. So, so I should mention, Joey, uh, Nick Bosa uh, is also like Trey Anderson in concussion protocol, so we'll hear more about that. Um, I have mentioned a lot this week just how astounded I was by that Niners defensive front after he went out just destroying Dallas. So this is another thing where we got guys coming back from injury, though, on Green Bay. David Bakhtiari um, will play. He came back a couple weeks ago, then didn't play. You know, load management, he's fine. He's going to play. And this is also, like, I feel like kind of flying under the radar. Not just David Bakhtiari, uh, but they also get Billy Turner back. So I'll be curious to see if if they just kind of roll with the OG starters or I I don't know how they're going to handle it. But, man, they're suddenly stacked on offensive line. Yeah, I mean, this is like the the weirdest matchup for them to get that, though, because I feel like even if you are getting guys back and even if potentially Nick Bosa isn't playing like this 49ers front is pretty insane. I mean, some of the, the play that they've gotten from I think what's so fascinating about their front is that you obviously have Nick Bosa and uh, Eric Armstead who are going to do something every single play like they're going to give you something every single play. But then you add that on top of you get three games away from like Kentaria Street. You get a couple uh, plays a game from Givens. You get three, four plays from Omeni who you get, um, you know, Arden at the Key has been so good. Arden they, Key. They yeah. moved him to the inside, by the way. Whew. What a weird trajectory for him, right? Yeah. He came out of college as like a 245 pound like speed rusher supposed to get around the edge. Never works out for him being able to do that. Gets to San Francisco. I think he's still like listed at like 245, 250, but I don't believe it for a second. He's obviously a lot bigger than that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just found a crazy home. And I, I don't know if that's, you know, him making crazy development, um, their defensive line coach and, and D'Amico Ryan's the defensive coordinator, just doing a good job understanding him being outside was not going to work and trying to find something else. I don't know who you credit to, but just the fact that they keep finding these guys who can give you a couple plays a game on top of the, the all pros that they have. It's just insane to deal with, even if they are going to get Bakhtiari back. Um, I think it's just going to be, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have to get the ball out very fast. And he's really good at doing that. But I think if they can get into a couple of situations where, um, you know, he's not able to do that, maybe it's a third and 12 and you've got to hang on to it a little bit more. I think even with the Packers getting guys back, they're going to have problems, you know, keeping this 49ers defensive line contained. The last thing I'll say too, is like, they just do a really good job of, not only just getting home with four because they have talent, but like they do a great job of scheming those guys open, yes. um, you know, to, to get free runs. I mean, just the, the Bosa sack um, last week where they like stunted two guys in front of him and he ran like mm. a wide loop around the center. I mean, just stuff like that. They do such a ridiculous, ridiculous job of giving these guys chances to, to get home. Yeah. So um, Rogers, when he's kept clean, leads the NFL in everything. <laughs> But when he's pressured, <laughs> everything. Yeah, what it doesn't matter. With QBR, whatever it is. Um, but when he's pressured, QBR drops to 26, 29th in completion percentage over expectation. Now, he's very rarely pressured because, like, as you mentioned, he gets the ball out so quickly now. Fourth quickest release in the NFL. But it is interesting because that, that disparity was sort of in... You saw that discrepancy before last year, and then last year it kind of didn't matter, and then now it's sort of back. You know, I, I this is, like he's still the MVP of the league. He's still playing at a high level. He's still ruthlessly efficient, and then when he takes his shots, deadly accurate. But um, like you said, if you can get him in 
third and long, it's not they're I wouldn't say the Packers are as game circuit dependent as the San Francisco 49ers, but there is opportunity there. You just have to be able to stop them on those early downs. And you know, the Niners front is very good, but the secondary, like they're not as good as they looked on Sunday against Dallas. I mean, I, I was I was really blown away by um I thought the the cornerbacks is clearly the you know weakness of the San Francisco roster roster played some of their best cleanest games notably not getting flagged for DPI which is something that they've kind of been DPI magnets for much of the year but um a lot of that also had to do with Dallas and their weird uh, approach to that matchup uh I I think Green Bay will not make those mistakes like I think they will find ways to attack those corners early on and Rodgers will have success doing so. I definitely agree, um, like, down the field. I, I think having to deal with Adams down the field on, like, legitimate routes and stuff is going to be a problem. And then they just generally do a good job of scheming up their shot plays. And I think that's going to be where the 49, 49ers struggle the most. What I would say is that the forty the the Packers do a lot of stuff in the, in the passing game to, like, get quick stuff out into the flats. You know, Rodgers does a lot of his, like, you know, pre-snap RPO package plays, whatever you want to call them, where they're throwing the bubble, smoke, whatever – um, as a package to their run and I think what we saw last week with the 49ers defense is like those corners actually to me did a really good job of, of coming up triggering and tackling on stuff in the flats and I think in this particular matchup that's going to be really really huge for limiting some of what the 40 or what the Packers are trying to do on like their basic first and second down to just get into favorable favorable situations if the 49ers can can get some early stops on a couple of those because their corners can actually tackle and force you know some of these second and 10 third and eight Mm -hmm. situations where their front can just tee off that's kind of how they need to win the game kind of like you were saying with um just getting the packers into a less favorable game script than they probably want to be in Feels like so many of these teams were like uh it's really all dependent on the pass rush because the secondary i mean (laughs) Uh, well, maybe, you know, not the Packers. I think there's, especially with Alexander back, the pass, the secondary can become a strength. But yeah, man, it is hard to play quarterback in the NFL, especially when it's Devontae Adams. And it doesn't really matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you bracket him. Doesn't matter if you have even a Jalen Ramsey. Um, he will get his, and also Matt Lafleur will find ways to scheme him open every game. It truly does not matter. Yeah, I mean, they can put him out outside. They can put him in the slot. Like, it, it doesn't really matter what you do with him. They're going to find a way to get him. Um, I, I was just say, I think the reason that you want to get them into these other situations is I still don't necessarily trust their non-Adams pass catchers um, mm-hmm. to do a whole lot. Um, so I think, yeah, if you can get them into these clear third and eights where somebody's got to make a play that's not Adams, that might be their issue. So I think clearly this is not – because of the Packers – issues on defense and the weakness against the run. This is not, and also because of the Niners evolution since they first played, by the way, I should also mention that, you know, we talked about Debo, but they were also, the defense was extremely different. The first time these teams played, I mean, the cornerbacks, uh, I don't think did Amory Thomas, Thomas play. They were just, I wrote it down somewhere, but uh, very, very different. Well, earlier in the year, they were earlier playing Lenoir. Yeah. Lenoir. And um, then, but then he got hurt. He got hurt. Thomas has been better as the year has gone on. Um, they've kind of changed up their pass rush uh, and approach up front. It, so, and the Niners and the Packers barely won. But then Packers fans are somewhere screaming, "Yeah, but we didn't have David Bakhtiari, Jerry Alexander, Winnie Wurz." Like it's just, uh, you know, very very different on that side of the ball as well. I think there's matchup issues for San Francisco 
but I just simply cannot bet on Jimmy Garoppolo versus Aaron Rodgers here. How do you fall? I think that's pretty much where it, what it comes down to. If you just put like a, uh, I don't know, a B plus quarterback on both teams, I think the 49ers are the better team. And I think they kind of like you were mentioning, just have like pretty good uh, matchup, you know, favorabilities in this, uh, in this game. But I don't know, like Jimmy has been fooling us the past couple of weeks and he's been playing really good ball. Um, but he's going to just, he's going to mess this up. Like I just don't see how they are, are able to, you know, outgun Aaron Rodgers. Just, I just don't think it's happening. Um, even if I think the Niners defense is going to make this tough on Aaron Rodgers, I think ultimately like the quarterback disparity is just way too big here. Yeah. All right. After the break, let's talk about two games with very good quarterbacks uh, playing on Sunday. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever wonder what you would do if you had unlimited hours in a day? Would you pick up a new hobby or focus on one you've neglected lately? Would you spend time with those people you haven't seen in a while? Well, there's a chance if you've considered having more time in the day, you're too overworked, stressed, and you haven't spent enough time focusing on yourself, that's where BetterHelp comes in. Therapy can be the spark to help you organize everything in your life and prioritize yourself. The journey of self-improvement isn't an easy one. But I believe when you devote time to your mental health, you become a better version of yourself. So let BetterHelp be your guide along the way. Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MinaShow, M-I-N-A, S-H-O-W today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show. So Derek, starting with the Rams and the Bucks, another rematch, which is fun. Um, Another situation where the teams look very different. So we're coming off of a, a Rams game where, I mean, it was one of the most dominant performances, not just in the playoffs, but like in playoff history. Um, I, I have been thinking about, okay, what, what, what we saw from the Rams on Sunday versus Arizona in that total beatdown on both sides of the ball, what applies to this game, right? Like, what do we learn that's going to translate? And because, I guess it really comes down to like how much can you just attribute to like Arizona completely melting down versus like how much do we see that we feel gives the Rams any edge over the Bucks who are favoring this one. And the more I think about it, the more I think defensively, I don't think we learned a ton. <laughs> I don't think like it's just, um, you know, the the Rams pass rush obviously looked fantastic. Uh, coverage was ex- the run defense, uh, which I do think is relevant in this one, was really, really spectacular. But Kyler Murray was just so discombobulated and just they, the game got so out of hand so quickly. I, I don't think in terms of like the line then coverage, much of it applies to this game, especially given what we know about Tom Brady and his ability to get rid of the ball quickly. 
I think I definitely agree on, on that side of the ball. I mean, I think that performance was a lot more just, I think Kyler Murray maybe was, I don't know, it's kind of rough to be in your first playoff game. I think that's really hard. Um, so I, I think that was just tough for him. And then obviously not having Hopkins when he was kind of, he was pretty much the linchpin of their offense. I think in, in a lot of ways he was just there. We don't know what to call. We don't know what to do. Uh, we're just going to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. And when you no longer have that and Anton Wesley is, is fitting into that slot and then you're, pushing all your other guys up, you know, Zach Ertz gets pushed up a slot, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, whatever. That's not really good for the structure of the offense. And I think we definitely saw that in that game. And then I think their offensive line all year has kind of been to me bailed out in part because of the way that Kyler Murray can run. And it felt like in that game, he just didn't want to, or just like wasn't comfortable finding those lanes the way that he normally was. And I think that that was a huge problem that kind of like you were mentioning is just not really translatable to honestly probably like a normal Kyler Murray game. You know what I mean? I think yeah. he's not even that way, but then also just like Tom Brady is not at all that way. The ball is just going to get out way sooner. And I think it's going to have to be more of a coverage performance from the Rams, which yeah. to their credit, like obviously Ramsey is the, 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 the biggest linchpin, but some of their or- other cornerbacks actually have like decent games i think they're a little bit up and down but if you can get a good game out of them um which i think is possible with mm-hmm. this you know pretty injured bucks uh wide receiver core i think they, they they might still be fine even if we didn't necessarily learn anything about what they are um from that arizona game yeah so about that rams secondary so they were missing both their starting safeties and brought back eric weddle for set packages in this last game in this one they probably will get taylor rap back um no jordan fuller so uh It'll probably be Terrell Burgess, Nick Scott, Eric Weddle again. Darius Williams had a really, really rough first half of the season, but has been playing better as the year has gone on. And then, uh, you know, you got David Long Jr. who had the big interception, but also has struggled at times. So you're like you said, you're placing, you're playing a, a Bucks passing attack that um, is very devoid of weapons at this point. Uh, so... You got Mike Evans uh, and then Rob Gronkowski and then a kind of a collection of wide receivers. In, in this last game against Philadelphia, Tyler Johnson was kind of the guy after the number two, which is kind of interesting. You know, I just It's hard to predict, okay, what are they going to do with Scotty Miller? It's easy, more like the jet sweep guy now. Prashad Perriman was kind of outsnapped. The other thing, though, that I thought was very significant, like as a development in the Bucks-Eagles game that I do think is relevant uh, in this matchup is Gio Bernard um, being used as a pass catching threat, because I have to think that's something we're probably going to see again, especially again, given at times the Rams defenses struggles against um, the short passing game. So if you're Raheem Morris, how do you approach this again? Like given all the players I just laid out, like, do you, have Jalen Ramsey primarily on Mike Evans, who, by the way, they, they the Bucks were had him in the slot a little bit uh, in this last one. Um, or do you want him playing, you know, that star role and just kind of just being on the ball in the middle of the field as much as possible? Uh, honestly, I would because Evans is, is, I think, so clearly their guy at this point. I think just having Ramsey on Evans is probably the best way to go. And then to me, I think as much as they can. They should really look to be, I think, pressing and playing tight to routes as much as they can. Just because I think what we saw, especially in this last game, was like 
the way that Brady wants to function is like things are going to be perfect on time. They're going to be in this exact area. Well, if they already have these couple of receivers who are having to play that aren't necessarily as in tune with Brady as maybe some of the other guys that they were playing beforehand. And then you can maybe disrupt them at the line of scrimmage, maybe disrupt them out of their break a little bit because you're jamming them. I think that's going to be the biggest way that they can disrupt um, the Bucks passing game. And then you just, you know, hope that that creates enough disruption that they're just getting incompletions in terms of dealing with Gio Bernard. I, that one's going to be tough because I think Troy reader just straight up is not going to be able to deal with him in space. I just think that's not really the, the way that reader can function as a player. Um, so I think that's going to be an issue. I would be really curious to see like how much they let, uh, Leonard Floyd just kind of peel off the line of scrimmage and deal, mm. uh, with Gio Bernard. If he is like aligned to the back, um, I, I think trying to get that matchup and trying to like maybe align Floyd to the back as much as they can. Um, and then just using him kind of that way to like quickly get a guy into the, into the flat and deal with Bernard is probably the best way to do it instead of. Uh, letting reader handle it and then having to having him you know go tackle that's probably not the best way to do it so yeah, yeah to me I think it would just be try to get Floyd on the back um, as much as they can uh, and then just He's play tight on everything try to disrupt a lot of their timing he is he, that's I think what's so unique about their defense and even I almost mentioned this with the Packers like you know the Packers try to run a similar style of defense but they don't have a guy who's that good at playing in space the way that Floyd is I think um, he's kind of unique in that way and I think that's a pretty big reason of why this defense is able to function the way that it is. So I should have mentioned at the beginning, we're talking about uh, Brady. Tristan Wirfs is in a walking boot right now. Um, they're starting right tackle, one of the best right tackles in the NFL. Obviously massive in any game, but especially massive in this one, given what we just saw from this uh, Rams four-man rush. And you know the, the, the Rams, they kind of flip von miller and floyd they move them you know and so i'll be curious to, if it isn't if Werfs is either hampered or out and his backup got hurt too josh wells so i don't know what the hell they're going to do at right tackle if if Werfs can't play maybe move one of the the guard i don't know it's it's well but then it's aaron donald so you really don't want to move the cards it's yeah i'd rather do the, a faulty right tackle than than would, surrender well, anything so, to Aaron Donald. <laughs> and this is where things get really tricky for the Bucks, right? Because maybe you want Gronk to stay in and help, but Gronk is your number two pass catcher right now because you're so devoid at, at the skill and player. And he would so. be going against Troy Reader and a pretty right. so that's the tasty matchup. Board. Like, this yeah. should be a good matchup for Gronk. Yeah, so this tricky is... spot for them. It is tricky, and it is kind of like the Hendrickson thing where I'm kind of like, damn, if Tristan Wirfs doesn't play, that could completely swing the single you know it's like a single player can really swing this game i don't care how brady had the uh his quickest release ever or at least since um i saw the next gen stats posted since they've been tracking it i don't know how long so like we the, the rams know what he wants to do they know what the bucks want to do in this one um i think the question is kind of just that uh, the health that the, on the offensive line, sort of how they approach it. Um, and then I, I would say how they approach the Mike Evans thing. Mike Evans was basically perfect in the Eagles game. Speaking of perfect, Matt Stafford had, I want to say just like a, well, Josh Allen played the perfect game, but Matt, Matt Stafford played the cleanest game of the year uh, against Arizona. He also was so comfortable. I mean, I it just could not have played out better for, the Rams offense. So we're like watching them and saying, damn, this is like such a great game plan from Sean McVay, Stafford, just everything like, you know, the, what he had like 17, 15 pass attempts, 
17. That the, the fewest he's ever had in a win, ever. Not a playoff win, ever. Um, just completely favorable down in distance. Run game looked excellent. Sony Michelle Camakers, I don't know what the hell happened, like just incredible. Um, and then, you know, they're able to be situationally aggressive, uh, take shots and kind of go and exploit uh, and play off of what they accomplished in the run game. All of that is great, but also how much of that is just because they were playing the Cardinals. That's kind of the tricky thing, right? Is because I do think it's really, really encouraging for the Rams offense that they have found, they've kind of found new life in the running game with, with Sony Michelle and obviously now even getting Cam Akers back. We'll see if that continues to be even better for them. Um, so I think it's really encouraging that they can be a more balanced, uh, balanced offense. Um, because, you know, all of what Stafford does in terms of just the pure dropback game is awesome. But, like, you don't want to have him doing that 35 times a game if you don't have to. Like, it's just easier to be able to do more things. And I think being able to run the ball um, the way that they have been recently is, is really good for that. But to your point, I think the Cardinals, uh, they make it easy to run the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I think they had pretty good efficiency for a, a good chunk of the year. But I think especially once they lost Watt the first time um and then him getting back not being 100 percent like i think they just don't really have the beef up front their linebackers don't really play with good eyes right now um you know whether that's their their younger guys or some of the guys that they've had to play because they're younger guys they're not particularly good like tanner vallejo and whoever so um yeah i don't know i think just structurally too the way that they call their defense is like They'll end up double rotated a lot or like, you know, uh, what I've seen called double rotated where like your safety is down where your three tech is. So the other side of the formation is kind of left with not as many bodies to defend the run as I think, you know, they would need to have um, that mixed with just some of their blitzing that they do on early downs is obviously going to lend to a bit more volatility. Um, and so I, I think it was kind of just a really good matchup for the Rams. They found their footing a little bit, but um the box. I don't know. I, I feel like different. I'm Very running different. around in circles trying to figure out how much it matters. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, like, for example, the Rams offensive line looked absolutely dominant, right? But they're I, a weird I, offensive line, right? They, like, I feel like at times they can look like that. And then at so times their interior they, is just like, yes. Horrid. So that's exactly what I was going to say. So they, the, the, the Rams offensive line, I think they're like first or top three in ESPN's pass and run block win rate and a lot of metrics. And then you see watch games like this Cardinals game where they look like the best offensive line in football. But I've also seen games to your point where the guards get just blown backwards. Like I, I it, it befuddled, like they look small and outgunned and here comes this Bucks defensive line. So the Bucks pass, the Bucks defense uh, is contrast to, you know, the offense losing guys they're kind of getting healthy at the right time. And this is another one where like, it's like, okay, how much do we take away because the Eagles passing attack was so terrible, right? But the run defense looks all the way back, at least looked against the Eagles, who we know are a good running team. Passing, throw that, you know, I don't know how much to take away from that. But um, I thought like, so this Bucks run defense, you know, used to be so terrifying that teams wouldn't even run. I don't think the Rams ran on them the first time they played and they won kind of a weird game. Um Second, I would say not half of the season, but the final six weeks after they lose Jack Barrett and Levante David, just some really uncharacteristically poor run performances, especially like against the likes of the Jets. So everybody's back. And the funny thing about this game, 
uh, Derek is, you know, I, I keep talking about like Levante David being like the key and he's so great. He wasn't actually even that good in this game. I mean, he's like a little rusty coming back from injury, but everybody around him was so fast in run defense. Devin White has his best game of the year. Jordan Whitehead, probably the best player on on, on, on the Bucks in this game. Just absolute exploding to the ball. And I think if you're the Rams, like, and it's just such a contrast to what we saw from Arizona. T- to me, they looked, th- in this last game against the Eagles, they looked the most like they did last year during their Super Bowl run. I agree. And, and I honestly almost wonder if, like, how much of that is, like, this Bucks team just coming off of the Super Bowl, they already kind of thought they were good enough. Um, they were able to like kind of coast a little bit through the season because they were dominant early on. Um, but even when they were a dominant run defense unit early on, they weren't actually as efficient as they were last year. It was just kind of like mm. almost like a hangover effect of like, okay, we knew they were that good and they're still pretty good. So we just don't even want to test it. And then I think over the back half of the year between some of the injuries um, and then I think Vita Vea wasn't quite playing up to his standard, um, which like he's, when he's on, he's the best in the league. So even him not being quite at his standard is still pretty good. Um, but I think they were they were closer to like an average run defense unit. But I think now that they have guys back um, and if they can get more play from Whitehead, you know, guys like Whitehead, who, by the way, like you mentioned, yeah, I, I feel like he was playing with his hair on fire. So that is the fastest good. I have ever seen him oh, play. Like oh that God. was outrageous. I just kept writing down his number over and over. 3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3 because he was just making so many plays. The whole secondary was incredible in run defense, I should note. Like the... Just hustling, 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 hustling. Here, I have two questions for you. Um, Stafford, 11 dropbacks and empty against the Cardinals. Uh, and, and they, I think that his one sack was, uh, it was it was like kind of a coverage sack actually, but he was an empty. And then they had the, um, it was a busted coverage. Was it OBJ on the left side that was out of empty where he found him? Uh, so some success. That said, there's been times this year where, the Rams, you know, so they use a lot more empty now with Stafford, obviously, than they did with Goff. We talked about that a lot. There has been times where the interior of the offensive line gets blown up and it's disastrous. If you're Sean McVay, do do you do you go there in this game, given the Bucks front? Oh, man, I almost feel like uh, it's kind of tricky because Sorry, I'm I almost wanted questions. to do more of the you know, where they can get under center, uh, run the ball, do a lot of their eye candy stuff, just because I think that's the best way to take advantage of like Devin White um, in particular. Um, And I think it's probably going to be the easiest way for them to um, manufacture some easier plays on the outside. But I think kind of to your point, like even though this Rams offensive line has been very uh, efficient or, you know, they look great in a lot of the metrics. Like we mentioned, like they just have some of these games where the interior looks horrible. The Titans game, the Vikings game, they had, I, I think, some issues um, with the interior looking bad. And I think, yeah, this is probably a pretty good matchup where that's going to be a problem, not even just from a talent perspective, but like Todd Bowles is about as good as anyone at sending pressures and, and knowing how to manipulate your rules and stuff like that. Mm. And if we assume that, you know, that might be an issue for this, uh, this Rams interior, like, I don't know. You get into empty and you're going to be kind of coin. You're, you're going to be flipping the Stafford coin. I, I don't think it says, like, right. you know, I think you just cut ris- and dry is the Arizona. Game. You, it it is a lot more. Yeah. It's boomer bust, right? Yeah. Like you can. And the other thing I like about Stafford, too, and this is sometimes empty, sometimes not, is like what he showed that I thought was kind of cool in the Arizona game was that willingness to scramble and like get it. You know, he he does 
have some escapability on broken plays and and, and ability to evade rushers. But um, yeah, it's just like when you put him back there, you can hit some big ones, but you can also get really, really blown up and get negative plays and just kill drives. So I, I tend to agree with you. I reserve the right to wait to see if Tristan Norris is playing before I pick this game. Is that is that cowardly of me? Where are you at? Uh, maybe because I feel like I'm just going to take a pick here anyway and probably just even for as much as I just spoke about the volatility there, I'm probably still going to take the Rams, honestly. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm kind of just going to bet on Stafford being able to play that well again. I think I still have a lot of faith in McVay. And I think their defense has honestly been playing. I don't think they were ever like bad this year, but I think they've been playing even better down the stretch. Um, so I don't know. I think between that and some of the injuries that the Bucks have, even if even if Wirfs does come back and is, is playing in some capacity, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Rams. All right. I'm God. All right. Bill, Bill's Chiefs. The fireworks. This is it. Sunday night. I'm going to start by giving you a number. 54. That's how many snaps Daniel Sorensen plays with these teams first met. Um, fascinating matchup to revisit. I should also throw out zero, which is how many snaps Chris Jones played. So, you know, very, very different teams. Buffalo, however, also has evolved in a really, really good way since then. Um, Josh Allen has become a super soldier. So <laughs> let's start there. Uh, if Josh Allen plays like he did against New England in both Week 16 and the Wild Card matchup, I don't think the Chiefs or any team in the NFL can stop him. I don't know how you approach it, uh, frankly. So you're Steve Spagnolo. What are you thinking watching that Pats game? No, I mean, I think that's spot on. He's playing, I think especially in that Pats game, like it's not just that he was playing well. It's that he was playing well doing like literally everything super, super um, he had a handful of he is a super yeah, like right he, now he had a handful of plays like okay we all know that he can make these these crazy deep passes um whether it's in structure out of structure whatever he can throw down the field he's really great at that yada 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 we already know that's what he is but i thought in this game he did like a really good job of like when new england was just forcing him to check the ball down mm. he did a really good job of getting it out early and letting guys go and get yards after the catch um so that's been like really like a, a macro development that he's made over the past couple of years. That's been really impressive. So he was doing um, that. He wasn't really putting the ball in danger. I thought his management of the pocket was fantastic. He knew when he needed to get out. He did a really good job of, of scrambling and, and making yards beyond the line of scrimmage as a runner. I mean, some of the jukes that he made, he, he made some dudes look silly. There were a couple highlight videos that, that people were putting out there that were, he, that were kind of funny. Just over. He's so um, shifty for his size. Like, yes, he's just crazy explosive. Oh like when he puts his foot in the ground, he's just gone. Yeah. It's not even like the same, like, cause you know, Lamar Jackson is a lot more like shorter steps yes. um, and stuff yeah. like that. And he's, yeah, he's a little bit twitchier and stuff, but like when Allen, it, it feels like when he jumps off the ground, it is like a super, like when a superhero jumps off the ground in a movie, like Superman jump, like he just so, gets so much explosion. It's crazy. The night, the, the numbers, disadvantage just creates for defenses is an absolute nightmare, right? Like we talk about Stafford playing yeah. empty. If the, the Bills are lined up and empty, Josh Allen's going to freaking escape, right? If, you, if you're able to break through and he's probably going to pick up like eight yards at least. So I, and, and then I think just Brian Dable has completely found his rhythm right now as a pass uh, play caller rather. Um, 
I love what they're doing in the run game. They're it's just their ability to take advantage. I mean, obviously they get a lot of light boxes, but their ability to they they've gone heavier as the year's gone on as well. You got you know the tight end out there, the fullback. I think I, I, I on the I posted the Singletary touchdown where you had Reggie Gilliam in um, the counter run blocking, and his snaps have trended upwards as well. Um, they're adding linemen. This defense offense pardon me to me is really not a good matchup for kansas city even though they're obviously going to be better i i you know i made the comments about Sorensen and jones i i just don't really know how they should approach this one i mean i i guess i don't think they're going to be hyper aggressive like even you know i famous last words talking about steve spagnolo but i don't think he's going to blitz a ton um but does it matter? Like, I I guess other than Josh Allen turning the ball over, which we should note as recently as we, uh, the Falcons game, he turned over three times. It's like he, he, there are games still where he does this. I'm really not sure what Kansas City can offer. I, I don't really know either. I think blitzing, kind of like you mentioned, is probably not the best idea because I think opting into getting Josh Allen out of the pocket is usually not the best uh strategy at this point i think especially with with how many pass catchers they have um i feel like the move is just to just try to play as much zone as you can and like try to just have as many bodies in because for as good as josh allen is i feel like a lot of his bad plays are like when you give him zone post snap and he doesn't get his first read and then he can kind of start getting a little a little bouncy and go left to right and he, he doesn't always know where his eyes need to go um, usually his arm talent is good enough to figure it out anyway, but that's where you create the worst place with him. Um, and I think particularly if they can get into some of the cover two stuff that they've done, um, they're one of the best teams in the league at like getting into cover two in a lot of weird ways. So I think if they can get into some of those, um, and just try to disrupt him post snap and try to confuse him, I think that's the best way to do it. I don't think playing a bunch of man and just giving him clear no, looks or no. even just blitzing and giving him chaos is the way to go. I think you just try to 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 murk up his vision as much as you can try to try to make that as muddy as possible especially because I just their weapons right now and God I think uh all of their wide receivers had at least 15 snaps like they're like I said I, it feels like Dable's kind of just seeing the do you board. mean like everyone who's rostered no no the top five guys yeah they're using McKenzie okay, okay, as a yeah. rusher it's like I Mm-hmm. I just love what they're doing on offense right now. But I also love what the Chiefs are doing on offense. And this is why this is still a very, very good game. Um, you know, we can talk about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the approach you just mentioned in terms of playing zone and kind of be the, what Bills the Bills do, I think it's what they, they're better at doing, though, than the Chiefs, unfortunately. But, um, you know, when the, these teams first met, this was back when Patrick Mahomes, like, hate was just shooting himself in the foot and getting really like impatient <laughs> playing it. Uh, and some of it was his receiver shooting him in the foot as well. And now I think you're seeing him make pl- like, just show both that patience, but also one he's gotten back to making those deep plays and structure. You certainly saw that against uh, the Steelers. Um, and then you also see a chiefs run game similar to the bills that I like am fully bought in on. Um, you know, if the Bills do, like we're just talking about, give the Chiefs light boxes and put extra bodies in coverage, I think Kansas City is perfectly happy 
to lean on Jarek McKinnon or whoever. Now they got a bunch of good backs, but I really like McKinnon. And, um, you know, and, and just also work their way up and down the field. Yeah, I think I'm probably slightly less bought in on the Chiefs run game than I am um, the Bills development. Um, but that might just be more because, like, I feel like, I don't know. It feels a little bit more like Dable is just in his bag. And so uh, maybe that's all it they is. They also but, just play the Steelers who uh, suck against the run. So it's like, yeah, you know, they, I can be like, exactly. wow, Derek McKinnon <laughs> was amazing. He averaged like, you know, five plus yard, whatever, like a clip. And they were so diverse. But the Steelers have been terrible all year. So, yeah, um, especially in run defense. I mean, some some of the, the run defense uh, performances that the Steelers had over the, the back half of the year were pretty pretty bad um probably a lot worse than than i think what they're going to get in this game um what i would say is that like i feel like the bills what i would say about the the bills run defense is like i feel like they are at their worst when you can do a lot of the the pulling stuff and beat them up i I think they're more of like a finesse front is probably like the wrong way to put it but i think they're not big um yeah they're not big and i think like a lot of their value the, the reason that they work is because they're able to rotate guys all the time. They're constantly able to get fresh legs, so they can kind of fire up the field a little bit um, faster than some other teams, I, I think, can, particularly in the passing game. But kind of like you mentioned, like, they're just not as big. They're not quite as stout, um, even though I think, like, you know, Harrison Phillips has been playing a little bit better this mm-hmm, year. But yeah. I think generally, if you can beat them up and you can get them on down blocks some double teams and stuff, like, you're going to be able to, to open up um, some space at certain points. It's kind of just a matter of, like, are the Chiefs running backs actually good enough to, to generate explosives off of that? That's kind of the concern that I would have more so than like I, the Chiefs being able to get into those scenarios. I, I mean, I kind of think they are. I mean, for, I, I, first of all, it starts up front. I think the Chiefs run blocking is tremendous, right? They're, they're power running. Yeah, game. that part of the equation. That, not that's a mismatch <laughs> for them. And by the way, that McKinnon, like all of his runs were, it, you know, you saw him both going east-west and north-south. They were running power counters, all of it with him. And I just like his vision, his patience, and then his uh, his speed in the open field. It, it really, again, I know it's the Steelers and I'm probably overreacting as one game, but we have seen him, you know, over the, for a few games and when he's played for other teams as well. I just thought he looked real. The, the whole run game looked really good to me. Mahomes is moving well as well, which is kind of a late season development. Um, something he wasn't doing as much, you know, as well early in the season, but you saw that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think given what we said about the Bills offense versus the Chiefs defense, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Kansas City. And that that is kind of my one concern about them is like we've seen when Mahomes feels like he has he has to put up points on every drive is kind of where they get into trouble. And um you could see that happening in this game, but he playing he's just playing really good football. And I don't know. I, I like when you step back, the Bills are a better football team. Right now, I actually think they're the best football team in the NFL, which is remarkable because they lost Trey White and you know the the fact that the secondary is held up this well. But I also think this Chiefs offense just figuring it out at the right time. And it makes it a lot harder for me to just go with Buffalo in this one, even though I, I think they're the better team. I mean, it's always, it always just feels bad to bet against Mahomes, right? Um, even if the other guy is like playing a similar side of football and just better currently. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like the Bills 
even though the Chiefs offense is figuring itself out, I feel like the Bills offense or the Bills defense, excuse me, they're just so sound in what they do. Yeah. Um, and I think there's still like some degree of volatility with the Chiefs offense, even if they have figured it out as of late, that it just feels to me like if you if we're going to get into this situation where both teams are like praying that the other offense gives up a turnover, like a yes. weird turnover. I feel like it's a little bit more likely that the Bills defense is going to be able to generate that just because they're so sound when they can get their pass rushers going um, and they can keep them fresh, like they're going to be able to get home. I think particularly against like, you know, this Chiefs offensive line is better than average, um, but their tackles are not particularly good, especially in the pass rush. Yeah, against Pittsburgh. Yeah, like they just give up the edge way too easily. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the Bills having an elite safety duo is so key, obviously against Kansas city, mm-hmm. you know, um, in terms of like taking away cause the Tyree kill deep crossers and, mm, Oh, I find myself leaning Buffalo, but I hate picking against Patrick Mahomes so much. <sighs> Came into the season saying Mahomes was going to win the Super Bowl again. I stuck with him through the tough times, but Josh Allen, super soldier is killing me right now. Uh, Ah, I think I might pick Buffalo and I hate it. Ah, not, I don't hate yeah. it. I just hate picking against Patrick Mahomes. That's all. I think I'm going to go Buffalo too. Like, I think I just, I don't know. If I assume both of these quarterbacks are going to be cyborgs, then it basically just comes down to the defense um, to me. Yes. I think, I don't know, the Bills defense. I just love what McDermott does. And I think they just play good, sound football. And I think it's just going to be tough for the the Chiefs to outscore that. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back finish with thanks to dunks hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Got your happy price, price line. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? As always, five questions for our guest. Four from me, one from Lenny. Derek, are you ready? I believe I am. It's the whole reason I came on the show. All right. Question one. Arizona just had total collapse. We kind of touched on it and i'll get to all obviously all the teams that got knocked out of the playoffs after the postseason um terrible performance by kyler i think a terrible performance by cliff kingsbury uh ripping steve kime the gm on first take yesterday just because i feel like it really exposed so many of the issues in their roster for the cardinals do you make any changes going into next year uh, if any, I think it's going to be, you know, <laughs> the rant that you had on, on the, the front office, I think was very on point. Like they just, I think a lot of the issues we saw with them are more structural, um, than anything. 
Um, so I would probably try to make a move at either general manager and or head coach. I think definitely like there's nothing wrong with with Kyler Murray at quarterback. Like he's going to come with his blemishes. And I think we saw that in this game where, um, you know, if you don't have him as like, you know, having him like this security blanket wide receiver, that might cause some issues. He definitely still has issues seeing the middle of the field sometimes just because mm. he's short. Like I think particularly in the particularly in the red zone, he's very quick to bail because I think he just doesn't see the field when it's condensed like that. Um, but I think it's kind of along the lines of Russell Wilson where you just live with the blemishes. So right. I would probably be more interested in fixing the power structure in Arizona than even halfway thinking about doing anything with Murray. I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's correct. I, I mean, whew. God, their offensive line just got absolutely obliterated in that game. And kind of once you saw that happening, it just felt like, Kyler go make a play was not going to work that day. Um, all right. Question number two, another team eliminated in an embarrassing playoff loss, new England. What is your number one priority in the off season? If you're the Patriots, they need speed on both sides of the ball, probably um, particularly on, on offense. Though. I mean, they just don't have anybody who can stretch the field. Like Mac Jones definitely passed up a lot of opportunities to stretch the field. And I think because of his, uh, arm talent that's never really going to be what the offense is but like you got to have somebody who's creating space even if it's along the lines of like what Deshaun Jackson was doing for Washington with Kirk Cousins where like they weren't necessarily like a super vertical offense but he was creating so much for them that uh, it kind of opened up everything else they desperately need somebody like that I don't know if it's like Jamison Williams in the draft I don't know if it's signing somebody but like they just need somebody to open up space because for all of Max blemishes if you can get him some space, he's going to probably find the right throw and make it. So, I agree. I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what, it, like if they target a wide receiver in the draft, what kind of receiver? Because um, I, I don't know if you saw Dante Scarnecchia, the offensive line guru, former offensive line coach in New England, was talking about how oh, they, we need a guy who moves the chains like Welker and you know Edelman and Amendola. And to some extent, I get it. They right? that though, right? But like, yeah, Jacoby Myers is closer to that than what they really, you know, like they don't have anyone like, I mean, I like Kendrick Bourne, but I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think they need someone who has like speed and size and can win on the outside. All right. Continuing the theme of talking about teams that have been eliminated, been eliminated. Question number three, the Dallas Cowboys. Should Kellen Moore be sent to prison? <laughs> prison? I think Mike McCarthy should maybe be sent to prison. I don't know about Kellen Moore. Uh, should both of them be sent to prison? Maybe Kellen Moore gets a lighter sentence because I, I'm still for as... To be clear, I, 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 like, I'm just trying to reflect the tone on Twitter by the guys, so nobody get mad at me. Yeah, yeah uh, like... There are some things to get mad at Kellen Moore for. I think the offense kind of got static, um, both in terms of just not doing enough pre-snap and then also just like a lot of their routes don't feel like they're trying to get movement across the field, which I think is a problem with their players. They also had some injuries, which which hurts. But like, I'm still kind of inclined to believe that everything that went wrong is McCarthy and things that are going well are Kellen Moore. Like, I still kind of firmly believe that. And I would be really interested to see more away from McCarthy, whether that means promoting more or They're not him just promote. taking a job elsewhere. I don't know, but like I McCarthy is enemy number one did to you, me. Did you see um Troy Aikman's uh comments today about yes. how they weren't targeting CeeDee Lamb outside and taking advantage of the matchup 
well, you know, by the way, we're going back to, you know, what we're talking about with the Niners at cornerback uh, being outmatched. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that was more just like, it just wasn't open. Like, it's not like they weren't trying it. Like that's what the offense tries yeah. to do. And it just wasn't there for most of the game. Um, and maybe you can, you can harp on Dak a little bit for not just like you know, saying YOLO thing, and though? just throwing it. Was that like, I mean, I think it was just a lot of like, because they do it all the time, the 49ers are able to just kind of sit on it. And I think they were, they were playing a lot of, they were playing high on a lot of things and just not, they were kind of just waiting for them to stop. Um, do a lot of the stop routes the way that they they usually do. So I think it was more just a matter of like the Cowboys just weren't throwing it because the Niners were sitting on it and they just didn't have a good changeup. Sounds like you do think Kellen Moore should go to prison then. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you've got me to talk myself into it. All right. Question four. Another team that was eliminated, the Pittsburgh Steelers. What should they do at quarterback? Uh, not Mason Rudolph. There, there were reports what no! yesterday that they what? said that he's likely to. <gasps> did you not see this? No, I missed. It. I was traveling. Oh God, no, no one, no there, one. Wants there was that. some sort of report. No, exactly. No, no. Everyone in and out of that this. building. Yes. Everyone in and out of that building knows that's horrible, terrible, like terrible idea. What like, is Mason Rudolph even like a top fifty quarterback? Like, what are we no. doing? Like, what would even be the point of? Like, it's just so odd. Like, the only explanation I could think is, like, they have already done, like, advanced scouting on this quarterback class and think it's so bad that it's just not worth investing in. But even at that point, like, I'd rather, like, flip a coin on a third rounder than than do this with Mason Rudolph again. Like, there's just no yes. way. Um, they can't do that. They can't do that. What? No. It kind of just comes down to, like, what veterans do they think they can get? Yeah. I honestly would be pretty interested to see if they could get Derek Carr. Um, because I think he's good enough yes. to, to uh, make this team serious, um, especially with a lot of weapons that they have. Like Derek Carr played some really good ball this year, man. Like I know, like he, the way he kind of collapsed in, in that game a little bit was a little bit embarrassing, and he's prone to do that. But I don't know. I think I, for a lot of the year he played, he was playing like a I, top ten-ish quarterback. I am befuddled by the persistent rumor that the Raiders are going to trade Derek Carr. This offseason, what are they going to what would they do at quarterback? Like, what is the thinking there? I I, I know the thinking is to get uh, Rogers Wilson, but like those I, I'm tired of basing any um, plans on. That. <laughs> like, I remember in the draft when Adam Schefter broke the news that uh, Rogers wanted out and this was ahead of uh, it was before the draft and we we're on set and, and Orlowski was like, yeah, man, if I'm Denver, I'm, I'm not taking quarterback because I'm hoping you get Rogers. And I'm like, dude. He ain't going anywhere. You take a quarterback. You can't bet on these superstars come. I mean, maybe there's there's things happening, but we have yet to see any of them actually force the issue, right? Um, outside of Stafford, but uh, that was a very different circumstance. I, I just don't see how the Raiders get uh, get better than Derek Carr. Like, why would they do this? The only thing I can think is that they don't think getting better right now is worth it, and they would actually like just rather blow things up. But even then, it's like it's not like Derek Carr is that old and it's not like he was playing poorly. It's not like he's coming off like a weird season where like, you know, like the way that Wentz was where he clearly came off a poor year and it was like, Oh, well maybe, you know, we're, we just need to move on from this. Derek Carr was playing like some of the best football he's ever played. Like, and he clearly made this roster, this offense at least better than it was supposed to be. Like that offensive line was garbage. I think they're skilled players. They have a couple of guys, but like, it's not a great unit. So I, I don't know. I don't know why they would trade him. But it sounds like it's on the table. And if it's on the table, 
the Steelers should the, go looking. The one that does is should be, will be on the table, I think, is Jimmy G, right? Because we know what they want to do at quarterback, and that is an interesting proposition. Obviously, an upgrade over Mason Rudolph. Um, schematically, everything's going to change. Uh, I think that might be fine though. Yeah, the way that Jimmy operates, like with a lot of his under center stuff, makes more sense with the Canada hire. Yes, and I. I want to say I saw somewhere that he is staying on or at least like that's the plan for right now in this moment and like honestly that's Jimmy would be a way better fit for what Canada wants to do than you know whatever Ben Roethlisberger was a thousand percent again putting him under center and actually you know play action it would yes thousand percent yes so maybe that's something that could be explored all right as always question five comes from Lenny um Lenny Heard you are a big gamer and love League of Legends. So this is a two-part question from him. Who do you main and when was the last time you saw the sun? Mm. Uh, second question is unfair. Uh, <laughs> uh, stereotypes, the, Lenny. The, stereotypes. Really? It's, I you, were you know, I, honestly, um, uh, my main at this point is probably uh, Rakan. I, I play a lot of support and he... Uh, he can dash around a lot. He has some some ways to, you know, knock people up, get them in CC. So I think that's the most fun way to play. You just fly around the map as fast as possible. Have I seen the sun? Well, my desk is in front of a window, so I have seen it. Um, <laughs> the extent to which I have absorbed its nutrients is a different question that I, I'd rather not answer. 